You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. You see here an empty tomb, something we had planned to use this year for our Easter celebration. We're still using it. You see, the tomb is empty. Today is Resurrection Day. Some 2,000 years ago, death lost its power. Death has no sting, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Today we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. And He came back, listen, to us. No, 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 wait a minute, wait. He came back to me. He came back to you. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I've had the privilege on two occasions of going to Israel and ending up standing at a place called the Garden Tomb. I want you to see this picture. This was a picture that, uh, that, I, had, uh, that I made back in 2018. Um, this was the Garden Tomb, November of that year. Lord willing, I'm going back again because this stuff's going to end. We're going to get on airplanes again. July of, of 2021, we're going back again. Here's a picture of me and Pam uh, back in 2018. We had just been inside. See the smiles on our faces. <laughs> oh, it's a magnificent place. The Lord spoke to me so poignantly there. I want to go back. You know, I've been to a lot of places on this earth. I've, I really have. I, the Lord's blessed me to see a lot of things. I've, I've been to Hawaii. Everybody talks about that's the be all end all. Well, for me, it's not. Israel is the place. It's life changing. Again, I'm, I'm planning on going back there. Uh, we're going to do what we call a Bible land exploration um, in July, the, July the 6th through the 16th, 2021. If you're interested, uh, message me. I'll give you something to look forward to in these crazy times. I'll send you a brochure. I've got it on a PDF file or I can mail you one. Eventually we'll be back together and I can give you one. I've got room for 42 people. Some have asked, how many you got going? I got room on the bus for 42 people. We've got 22 signed up so far, so you let me know. The garden tomb. The area around that garden tomb is opulently cared for. It's a place where you can go and reflect, and you can even have communion there. I took, uh, somebody took my picture when I was there back in 2007. See how pretty it is and all those flowers, and boy, see how much younger I looked. <laughs> it's a place where you can also go inside the tomb. Again, I've done that twice. I want to do it again. And you see, when you get inside that tomb, you, you look back out, like this picture, and you, and you see there's a sign on the door, and that sign on the door says it all. That sign says, He is not here. He has risen from the dead. And you know what, church? Those are the exact same words that were spoken to the ladies who had come to the tomb on that first resurrection morning. Have you made your way to Matthew 28? Look at verse 1. Follow along with me now as we read through verse 7. Now after the Sabbath, of course that's on Saturday, toward the dawn of the first day, that would be Sunday of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, some have asked in the past, who is that other Mary? Well, this is the wife of Clopas or Alphaeus. This is the mother of who the, the apostle called James the Less. They went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. What a sight that would be. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled, I bet they did, and became like dead men. They passed out. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. 
For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And here are those words. He is not here, for he has risen as he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you. Where does it say? To where? Galilee. Galilee? Yeah, Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. The angel said that Jesus was going to Galilee. You know, a lot of times we read that and we miss that. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead from a tomb outside of the city walls of Jerusalem. That's 90 miles from Galilee. That's where Jesus is from, Galilee. I want you to see this map. Galilee. This is the northern part of Israel. It's a territory. Galilee is not a city. It's a territory. Think of it like this. You know, we go to the mountains here in western North Carolina, and they call that the high country. And you can be in the high country uh, in Boone or West Jefferson or Banner Elk, you understand? So the high country is like a territory. So Galilee is like a territory. And it has cities in it, like Capernaum, like Cana, like Magdala, like Nazareth. Galilee, though, was a nothing place in a nothing territory in a Roman-occupied country. Therefore, Galilee and those who lived there, they had no power. It truly was a nothing place, nothing special, nothing people, nothing to look forward to. But it's where Jesus grew up. It's where he spent 30 years. Jesus came out of Galilee, and to this day, to this day, the fact that Jesus came out of Galilee is the only claim Galilee has to fame. Galilee. Did you know it's the place where Jesus performed about 80% of his miracles? And it's from the area of Galilee the majority of the apostles were from and his disciples. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead near Jerusalem, the big capital city of Israel. But it's Galilee that the angel said to the disciples, go there. Now think about it. After Jesus' resurrection, he could have gone anywhere. You know, he could have gone back to Antonius' fortress where Pilate was and said, I'm back! Payback time, buddy! That's not Jesus, though, is it? Anybody you want to pay back right now? Anybody you'd like to see suffer and hurt? That's not Christian. That's worldly. You see, as Christians, we don't pay people back. We pray for them. Even our enemies. Payback, by the way, even if you do it, it only leaves you empty. Remember that. You know, Jesus, he could have gone back to Herod's palace, right? Said to King Herod, I'm back. He could have gone to Rome and overthrown the Roman emperor. That's what most wanted him to do anyway. No, he didn't go there. Ultimately, you know where he ended up? Home. He went home. He went to Galilee. You know, I thought about it. If Jesus had risen from the dead today, the year 2020, where do you think you would have gone? You think you would have gone to the White House? No. Beijing? No. Buckingham Palace? No. He would have still gone home. He said, go to Galilee. That's what the angel said. Go back to the nobodies who live there. Well, nobodies according to the world, but not nobodies according to Christ. Because when you know Christ, you're not a nobody. Do you feel like a nobody today? When you call on the name of Jesus, confessing and repenting of your sins, the Spirit of God comes to reside inside of you, and you become a prince or a princess. You become royalty. And it's back to those nobodies Jesus went to. 
Nobody's according to the world. Jesus is the resurrecting King. We were singing that. Who is resurrecting me. You see, I'm a nobody, but I'm a child of the King. And if I were to kill over dead here in the next 10 seconds, do you know what? Because Jesus Christ got up from the dead, I'm getting up from the dead. My spirit will leave my body because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. When Jesus went back to Galilee after his resurrection, he went back to the same group of people, many of whom who had so disappointed him, misunderstood him. Remember, he went back to Nazareth and when he started preaching, they tried to kill him. More on that in a moment. He went back to those who forsook him. When Jesus came back from the dead, he came to Peter. You know, the one who denied him three times? Jesus appeared to Thomas. Poor old Thomas. He wasn't even there the day that Jesus rose from the dead. He came by a week later. Jesus returned to his betrayers. You know, I'm a betrayer, and so are you. You go, I've never betrayed Jesus. Oh, yes, you have. You have, I have, we all have. By the things that we say, the things that we do, almost at times being ashamed of him, acting like we're not part of his family. But by the grace and mercy of Jesus, He came back to us anyway, knowing that even while we were yet sinners, He would die for us. Turn to your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. As you're turning, I want to show you a chart. This is a chart of the resurrection appearances of Jesus. Now, I don't know how big you can see this. If you're looking at a phone, you can probably barely make this out. Remember the resurrection occurred, and after that resurrection of the Lord Jesus, He walked on this earth for 40 days before ascending into heaven. That green line right there in the middle depicts the time from the resurrection on Sunday to 40 days later, His what we call Ascension Day, when He rose back into heaven. And 1 Corinthians 15 lays this out, and I want you to see these appearances. Pick up with me now in verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, have you made your way there? For I deliver to you as of first importance, catch that now, what I also received, the Apostle Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that Christ died, here's what's the first importance, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with what? The Scriptures, the Bible. Oh, church, never forget that this book is a book of fulfilled prophecies. This is not a book that's antiquated. It's not a book of fables. It's not a book of, of some sort of mysteries. It's a book of prophecies. 300 plus of the fact that Jesus Christ would come and be the Messiah, where He would be born, where He would die, that He would come out of Egypt, He would come out of Nazareth, even that the soldiers would gamble for His garment on the day of His crucifixion so that he would die in accordance with the Scriptures, verse 4, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with what? In, yeah, the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Do you know where that took place? On a mountainside in Galilee. Watch this. More than 500 at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died, fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James. Who's James? You say the apostle. Uh, not that one. His half-brother. He appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Now, that chart was hard for you to see, so we've made it a little bit easier. I want you to see this depiction of that passage, and I want you to see the order of the appearances. You ready? Mary Magdalene is the first person that he appeared to. That was Resurrection Sunday morning. She thought he was the gardener, remember? And he called her Mary. He called her by name. Second group of people were the women who had come from the tomb. Apparently they'd gotten separated. There were several of the women that came to the tomb, Mary Magdalene being one of them. And then apparently she got separated. That's why she saw Jesus alone. But this all occurred that same resurrection Sunday morning. Third, to the disciples. Who? Two disciples. Not apostles. Disciples. You and I are a disciple if you follow Jesus. They were on the road to Emmaus. More on those in a moment. That, that road to Emmaus, 
That occurred on Sunday afternoon. Then to the Apostle Peter. That was Sunday afternoon, Resurrection Sunday. Five, to the ten apostles in the upper room. You say, ten? There's twelve. Yeah, Judas had hung himself, and Thomas wasn't there. But Thomas did come. Eight days later, to the disciples, Jesus appeared, number six, and to Thomas in the upper room, seven. To the seven apostles by the Sea of Galilee. Seven of them, of the ten, were there fishing in the boats. Remember when Jesus saw them out in the boats and he made breakfast on the seashore and so forth? Eight. There's those 500 followers that, that, that he appeared to on the, a mountain in Galilee. I believe it was on the same mountain that he had broke the bread and fed the 5,000. And then nine to James, Jesus' half brother. And then ten, day 40. The day he ascended, he went back to Jerusalem and he ascended from the Mount of Olives. And church, that's where he's coming back. As sure as Jesus came and left the first time, he's coming back. Now I want you to think about it. I'm going to move back over here to this tomb. And I want you to think about it with me. When Jesus rose from the dead, nobody actually saw him walk out of the tomb, right? See, when Jesus rose from the dead, nobody appeared to him. No, he rose from the dead and he started appearing to them. Listen, the, the tomb is the absence of the body of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you what the tomb really is. The empty tomb tells us that we today can have the presence of Jesus. Yes, it's about the absence, but it's so much about the presence Do you feel and experience the presence of Jesus from time to time in your life? In this time of uncertainty and darkness? This room is empty. I miss you. And you miss being here. But it's the presence of Jesus that bears witness with our spirit even though we can't be together. And we will be together again. You understand, church, that the reason that we meet today, the reason that we come together every Lord's Day is because of that resurrection day some 2,000 years ago. That's why we come together. That's why we meet. We were commanded to meet on the Lord's Day. Hebrews 10, 25 says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Well, <laughs> right now we can't be together. There's like one, two, three, four, five people in this room. But this will end. Each Sunday is called the Lord's Day. And we make a choice to assemble together. Today we assemble together by way of technology. Thanks be to God. Man, aren't you glad the coronavirus didn't happen like 40 years ago? Because we'd have no way of doing this. You know, the Bible tells us what the first church did on the Lord's Day. You know what they did? When the church, the, the, the book of Acts tells how the church got started, right? So Acts 2.42, see this verse, Acts 2.42, here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Did you catch that? They, what's the apostles' teaching? They were teaching the Scriptures. Of course, the, the Scriptures were being written, the New Testament, at that time. And then, but the Old Testament is what they studied and how those Old Testament Scriptures pointed to the Lord Jesus. They fellowship, they broke bread. What does that mean? Every Lord's Day, did you know this, they came together and had a meal which was followed by communion. They broke bread and they fellowshiped and then they prayed. You know what that's called? In the Greek that's called the ekklesia. It's called the gathering. Why did they gather? Are you listening? If you're moving around in your house, I want you to listen to this. Why did they gather? Oh, I know why they gathered. So that they could have an altar call at the end of the gathering. You know, they met in each other's homes for over a century. So that they could have somebody have an altar. No, that's not, no. Do you understand why they gathered? Do you understand why we're called to gather? Listen carefully now so that you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. They gathered together to worship and to be equipped. 
That's why they gather together. Ephesians 4.12 tells me that my job as a pastor teacher is to equip the body for works of ministry. Now listen, I'm all for seeker-friendly churches. I believe we're a seeker-friendly church. But that's not the purpose for church, just to make a service seeker-friendly. Oh, it is that. We want to be friendly. But we're not going to dumb everything down and not teach Scripture and the deep truths of doctrine as Jesus told us to and remain spiritual infants. No, we're to grow in Christ. They came together and were equipped. You know what we've turned our services into today? Just a lot of spectatorism, a lot of consumerism. You know what Jesus said to do? You know what the last thing he said to do before he ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives on day 40 after his resurrection? You remember what he said to do? It's called the Great Commission. What's it start with? What word? Say it out loud. He said, What? Go! Go! Listen, the church is the function out there. Out there. Listen to me. Do you understand what God has done, what He has allowed? We can't be in this building. There are people all over the world today that can't be in the buildings. I think it's Jesus crying out from heaven, will my church go out into the highways and hedges again? Will they go and share the gospel, the truth that I'm alive? And if I have to allow a coronavirus to get them out of the building, I'll get them out of the building. We're not in the building. And so does that mean that nobody gets saved for the next three, four, five, six, seven weeks? See, we, we've turned our child. Oh, the church, it's the hospital for the sick. No, it's not. This is the gym. This is where we come and we exercise and we worship and we get equipped so we can go out there and share the gospel. There's no coincidence in the fact that we're not meeting in our buildings. It's the cry from heaven, go, go. Who needs Jesus? Church, how often were people saved in the book of Acts? And they were saved and added to their number Every Sunday. That's what it says? Uh-uh. They added to their number how often? Daily. You know why? Because they realized that the church, the building is not the church. The church are the people, and it's our, we're like paramedics. We're to go. I think of all these frontline workers that are they're working so hard right now. I pray for them. We're to be like them, we're like a paramedic. A paramedic goes to the sick person and shares the medical help. We are to be paramedics. See, you know what I see the church, what, the, what I see this place as? It's the celebration place. We come in here and celebrate the fact that we've been leading people to Jesus all week, and they added to their number daily. This is the celebration place. Listen, I'm not saying that nobody can get saved in a building. We want to get people saved. But you see, I really believe Jesus says, is saying to us right now in 2020 America, you people have gotten this backwards. You don't come to church to see people saved. You lead people to Christ in your workplace, in the schools, in your families. And then you bring them inside the church building at the ecclesia, at the gathering, where you fellowship, you break bread, you study the apostles' teaching, and you pray, and you do that and get equipped and celebrate. You see, that's what we're to do on the Lord's Day. You see, the plan all along was for us to go out there and win people to Jesus but we're not doing it. I told you three weeks ago, less than one and a half percent of all Christians have ever led a single soul to Christ. And here's a statistic that I haven't told you. 
Are you listening? Of that one and a half percent of Christians who have ever led anyone to Christ, almost 90% of that one and a half percent are clergy. What does that mean? It means that almost no non-clergy ever lead anyone to Christ with their own mouth. Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's not just for the preacher or for the real spiritual Christian. Oh, I hear my phone. You know what time it is? It's 1031. You been praying? See, I've set my phone. It says, pray it away morning. Are you praying? You say, well, that's just not me. I'm just not one of those kind of people. What, what you won't pray? See, there's so many people, that we're so undisciplined. We don't want to do anything that causes us to actually have to be disciplined. But yet we're to be disciples of Christ. So I'm going, to, I'm going to say a quick prayer. Do you mind if I do that? I'm going to go into my setting. I'm going to turn this off so it'll quit ringing. And I'm going to turn it back on so it'll go again tomorrow morning. And it'll, it'll go again tonight. Father, I pray it away. Lord, I believe as we've been praying, we've been praying away the coronavirus. I really believe we're going to look back on, on this whole deal and we're going to find that the coronavirus peaked on Resurrection Weekend. I believe that, and I believe it's because you're people who are praying. I pray for those who are sick. I pray for those today, Lord, who have lost loved ones. I pray for those, Lord, who have loved ones in the hospital and they can't be with them. I pray for our frontline workers, our medical workers who, who aren't in a church. There, there's maybe a nurse right now watching this on her phone on her break. Thank you for her, for him. Thank you for the doctors, policemen, firemen, those who are working. Lord Jesus, have favor on us. And thank you for this season of time, as hard as it is, because you work all things together for good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, when Jesus Christ came back to this earth by way of a tomb, He came so that we might be born again. Jesus is the good shepherd who didn't just sit back and wait for the lost sheep to come to Him. What did Jesus do? He left the 99 and went after the one. That's me. That's you. Jesus came to us. He reached down into the muck and the mire, and with a pierced hand, He's reaching for you today. Do you know Him? And church family, if you know of someone in your life that's not a believer, or maybe has strayed, or you're not certain it's a believer, what are you going to do about it? You. What are you going to do about it? You go, well, I'm just afraid. I get that. Write them a letter. Send them an email. Send them a text. You can't be in front of them right now anyway unless it's a family member. And I pray to God if you've got somebody in your house that you're not certain is saved, you'll have that conversation, mom and dad. I heard a song um, actually a couple weeks ago, but I heard it again this week. It's by Casting Crowns. It's, it's called Love Moved First. It describes this perfectly, what I'm trying to convey. See the words, we've got them for you. This is the story of a runaway with no way home and no way out. I threw the best of me away. I had my chance. It's too late now. Too far gone and too ashamed to think that you'd still know my name. But love refused to let my story end that way. You didn't wait for me to find my way to you. I couldn't cross that distance even if I wanted to. You came running after me when anybody else would have turned and left me at my worst. Love moved first. What kind of grace, relentless grace, would chase this rebel down, crawl into this prisoner's cage, and take my hand and pull me out? You knew I couldn't make the change, so you became the change in me, and now I live to tell the story of the God who rescues Say it again, you didn't wait for me to find my way to you. I couldn't cross that distance even if I wanted to. You came running after me when anybody else would have turned and left me at my worst. Love moved first. That's the story of Easter. 
David knew all about this. Psalm 40 verses 2 and 3 tells us how David felt. And this is how I feel. Psalm 40 verse 2, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Oh, that's what I pray. That's Easter, folks. Easter is Jesus coming to us and pulling us out of our destruction. You know, we were just singing about that. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. Turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter 24. It'll be the last place I have you turn today. Luke 24. I want to show you two people. These were actually on our list of the appearances after the resurrection of Jesus. Two people whom I believe were mired down in a bog of confusion, disillusionment, and supreme doubt. And, and, and I want you to see as Jesus, now again, Jesus came to them. They didn't come to Him. He came to them. And Jesus, they didn't know it was Jesus, but they're walking. They, they had been to Jerusalem. They had seen the crucifixion. They were there for Passover. Remember, Jesus is the Passover lamb, right? They had been there. They, they, they apparently were friends of the apostles because they're going to end back up in the upper room later that same resurrection Sunday. But they're on their way back home to a little town called Emmaus, about four miles outside of Jerusalem. And guess who walks up right beside of them and starts talking to them? They didn't recognize him at first. Watch this. Verse 27. Luke 24, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the what? There it is again, the Scriptures. See, this is what makes the Bible different than any other book. The Scriptures of the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. That's Emmaus. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly stay, saying, now watch this, watch this, stay with us. See, that, that, that's, that's so pertinent and poignant. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay, see it, we've underlined it, with them. These are two individual people. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. I believe when his sleeves went down to his elbows, they saw the nail prints and recognized him. And you see what it says? And he vanished from their sight. He's in his resurrection body. He vanished. They said to each other, did not, verse 32, our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem. I bet they were running as hard as they could run. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. By then they had heard that, that Jesus had appeared to Peter. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Over and over again, what do we see in that passage? With us, to us, within us, Jesus came to these two men. Of all the things Jesus could have done on Resurrection Sunday, of all the people He could have gone to see, He knew those two men. One of, his, one of the names is Clopas. We're told in the first part of Luke 24, Jesus was concerned about Clopas and his friend. He knew how distraught they were, and He went to them. That's Jesus coming to those who desperately need Him. That's Easter. Try to place yourself in the position of the disciples of the Lord Jesus. Think of Calvary. Think of the cross. Think of the crucifixion. They had to think, it's over! It's over! He's dead! There is no hope. How gut-wrenching it must have been. Talk about a new normal. For those apostles who had been traveling with Jesus some three plus years, imagine Friday night. 
Imagine Saturday and Saturday night. Do you think they slept? I mean, if they did, it was fitful. If you had nights like that, I swear, the older I get, the more fitful nights of sleeping I have. I think it comes with age. Can you imagine the despair? But then Sunday came. And word came. He's alive. What? They didn't believe it. The disciples didn't believe the women. Until in his glorified body he appeared in the room. See, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. But see, in, in, in a glorified body, and we will, because he's going to resurrect us, we'll have a glorified body one day, and we will not be limited by time or space. He just, boom. He went four miles from Emmaus. He vanished in front of those two travelers in, in, in that home, and then he ultimately ended up appearing in the upper room back in Jerusalem, four miles away. On this Easter Sunday, April 12, 2020, many of you watching have experienced Jesus Christ. You today are born again. And you know what that feels like in your darkest moments, in the times in your life when you felt there was no hope, and then you feel the presence of Jesus you feel his spirit bear witness with your spirit and help you when there's no money, when death is at the door. And you pray and you cry out to him and then he reaches down that hand, figuratively of course, and through his spirit he pulls you out of the disillusionment. But see, there's, there are others who are watching. Maybe you're watching right now. And you say, I don't know what that feels like. I, 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 feel, I feel so, th this, this virus thing, it's, it's, I, 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 everything's just out of whack. Listen, could it be that Jesus has brought you to this place, to this moment in your life to get you still out of your normal? And it's time. There are people who are, all you've got to do is hit that chat box. Hit it, hit it, just tap it. We have got people that want to talk to you that can help you, let them know, I want you to be saved. I want you to know the joy of knowing Jesus. Listen, there's no greater joy in my life. Listen to me. This, this isn't in my notes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit long today. I'll, I'll hurry as quick as I can, but like, where are you going to go, right? You know? I mean, it ain't like you can go to town, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know? I have, I have made a lot of money in my life. Before I started in the ministry, I made six figures. I could go where I wanted to do, do anything I wanted to do. Do you think that brought me the greatest joy? Uh-uh. I've been to all kinds of places. I've experienced all kinds of things in my life. I would say I feel like I've been, I've lived a fairly successful life. You know what? I feel like the Apostle Paul. It's all rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. The greatest experience that I have on this earth is knowing Jesus. And when he speaks into my thoughts and he speaks into my spirit and bears witness with me that I am his. Do you know that feeling? Do you know that experience? You can. Right now, today, let us help you. Just click on that chat box. We're here for you. Now, because of Easter... We don't have to be afraid. You know, one day we're all going to die. There's so much death right now. So much death. So many that are dying, particularly in New York. You know what? If I were to die in the next 10 seconds, do you know who would walk me through that valley? Jesus. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know what it says? Psalm 23, 4. Thou, that's Jesus, you are with me. That's what we were singing, living hope. Then through the darkness, <laughs> your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. He came through the darkness to me. If you ever wonder what the gospel is, church, it's when it gets dark, and I mean really dark. That's when Jesus shows up. The living hope. And that is of first importance.
see it one last time. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Bible, the Scriptures, that He was buried. And there it is, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. You know, it's interesting. I'm an apologist. What does that mean? It means I like to look at the Bible, and I, and, and I, and I typically look at it from an intellectual standpoint. That, that seems to where my pendulum kind of goes. I, I go more on the intellectual. And, and I used to think that 1 Corinthians 15 was written for the skeptic. For the person who needed to be convinced about all the resurrection appearances after Jesus rose from the dead. Well, it is that, but it's more than that. 1 Corinthians 15 was for Mary Magdalene. When Jesus appeared to her and said, Mary. 1 Corinthians 15 and the importance of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was for Peter who had absolutely blown it. Maybe just like you, there's still hope. You're watching this. There is hope for you. You've not gone too far. Listen, some of you watching right now, you are trying to booze this whole coronavirus away. You're trying to drug it up or you're trying to whatever that you're trying to do. You're ticked off. You're mad. You don't listen because you're out of your routine. You're out of your normal. You're hollering and fussing at your wife or your husband. You're ticked off at the kids. You're mad at the world. And Jesus Christ is reaching through and he says, get your mind off of that and you look to me and I will give you your life. I have got you still where you have no place to go so that you can see me. Call on his name. He will bring you through the darkness. You don't need the drugs, the alcohol, the porn. You don't need, to, you need Jesus. Jesus came back to the Emmaus travelers. Jesus came back to James. Remember? That's what 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 says. He came back to James. You know where I believe that was? I don't believe, I don't believe for a moment that James was in Jerusalem because he didn't believe. The Bible tells us that his family didn't believe. Save Mary, no one believed in his family. He had four brothers and sisters. I believe that when Jesus came back into Galilee, he saw James. And he said, come here, brother. Literally, brother, I'm alive. You didn't believe, but I'm alive. And James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Maybe you're watching today on this Easter Sunday and you don't think your life matters. It matters. James didn't believe. Thomas didn't believe. Peter had denied him. You can't be worse than that. I promise you, no matter what you've done, today on this Easter, during this coronavirus, be saved. As we close, I want to tell you a story when I was a freshman at Appalachian State, my second semester was there. I was struggling. You see, I began my college career at Gardner-Webb University on a basketball scholarship. Blew up. Anybody that knows me knows that I've played basketball all my life. One of the first things I can remember is holding a basketball. I know I'm weird, but to this day, holding a basketball in my hands for some crazy reason, going out, even today as a 52-year-old man, I know sometimes my family wonders where I am and they hear the bounce, bounce, bounce of a ball. That's where Jesus still speaks to me. But all that was blown up. And I left Gardner-Webb and I went to Appalachian, transferred there, and I was struggling to get my footing. And the truth was it was a spiritual struggle more than anything. I was walking to class one day. I don't say this to sound like I'm a goody-goody. I'm just telling you the, 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 the poignancy of this. I've never skipped a single class in my life, and I only skipped one. And it was this particular day. I was walking to Edwin Duncan Hall. Some of you 
happy appy people like me know where Edwin Duncan Hall is. It's that octagonal stop sign shaped building. And Jesus spoke to me. And he said, Kevin, are you going to live for me or not? This has been all about you. This has been all about your basketball. This has been all about your life. Are you going to live for me? I sat down on a bench just outside of Edwin Duncan Hall and I cried. Now I wasn't sobbing, but I was wiping tears to keep people from seeing. And I sat there and I didn't move. And I chose Jesus. That's when I decided that he is all that mattered. Fast forward now to November of 2018 in Israel. I told you at the beginning of the message about the garden tomb just outside the walls of Jerusalem. What an amazing place it is and how the Lord really used that place to speak to me. But I want to tell you where he spoke to me so, so, so real. See this picture? This is a, a place called Mount Precipice. That's the brow of Nazareth. You see, Nazareth is built on a hill. When Jesus came back into Nazareth after he was baptized and began his three-year ministry, he went into the synagogue and he read from Scripture and then they were so upset because he started claiming he was the Messiah that they took him up on that brow and were going to kill him. I want you to see Nazareth. This is what Nazareth looks like today. I took that with my camera, or actually my phone. We don't use cameras anymore. <laughs> In November of 2000, that's Nazareth. That's what it looks like today. Now, I want you to look back over mine and Pam's shoulders, and I want you to, can you make out what's behind us? And you say, I have no idea. What does it look like? It's a valley. You go, okay, yeah, okay, it's a valley. So, so off the brow of Nazareth is a valley. I want to show this to you by way of a map and show you what the name of the valley is. Now take a look at the map. You'll see Nazareth top middle. See Nazareth? Now to the southwest of Nazareth is, there it is, the Jezreel Valley. See it? It runs from Mount Carmel where Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal all the way to Mount Gilboa where Saul and Jonathan died at the hand of the Philistines. But do you know what the Jezreel Valley is also known as? I want you to take a look at this map. Take a look at this map. Do you see there in the middle, you see the name of that town with the star, with the yellow circle? What is that town? Megiddo. Megiddo, yes. Have you heard that name? The Jezreel Valley is also known as the Valley of Megiddo. So tell me, church. What happens at the Valley of Megiddo? The return of Jesus. I want you to see this picture. This is a picture of our group looking at that valley. I stepped off to the side. That was our group. Lord willing, I'll be there again. July of 2021. They've built steps there. And you can look off at the Valley of Megiddo. I stepped off to the side, and there's that valley. I, I swung around, and I took that picture. And I want to tell you something. As sure as the Lord Jesus spoke to me outside of the Edwin Duncan Hall, he spoke to me as I stood there, and he spoke into my spirit, and he said, Kevin, I'm coming back. There'll be a battle fought in this valley called the Battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo. And at the end of that battle, I'm coming back, and you're coming with me. And I will, as sure as I'm standing here today. You say you're crazy. You're hearing voices. Yes, I am. I hear the voice of Jesus inside of me, inside of my spirit. Jesus speaks to me. Does he speak to you? See, his whole point for coming back is so that you and I might know him. Not about him. I mean know him. Jesus came back for Mary Magdalene. 
and he spoke to her. Jesus came back to Peter, the one who had denied him, and spoke to him, to the two travelers on the road to Emmaus, to James, his brother, and to me. I'm a nobody. I'm not from Galilee. I'm from Perlier, North Carolina. And he came back for me. John 10, verse 27, Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Church family, when Jesus burst forth out of that tomb, he came back to us, to me, to you. So that his spirit, for now we're not with him, just like you're not here in this room. And just this technology is acting as the medium right now so that I can come to you right now. What we have is we have the Spirit of God to speak into our thoughts and we have the Word of God to direct our path until we see Him face to face. But until then, Jesus said this, John 6, 40. You, know, you want to know what Jesus guarantees for you? Here it is, John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father. See it? This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son, that's Jesus, and believes in Jesus should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up. The resurrecting King resurrecting me on that last day. And church family, that's Easter. He came back for me and for you. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.